prisons a social crime and failure part two from anarchism and other essays by emma goldman this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine prisons a social crime and failure part two the economic political moral and physical factors being the microbes of crime how does society meet the situation the methods of coping with crime have no doubt undergone several changes but mainly in a theoretic sense in practice society has retained the primitive motive in dealing with the offender that is revenge it has also adopted the theologic idea namely punishment while the legal and civilized methods consist of deterrence or terror and reform we shall presently see that all four modes have failed utterly and that we are to-day no nearer a solution than in the dark ages the natural impulse of the primitive man to strike back to avenge a wrong is out of date instead the civilized man stripped of courage and daring has delegated to an organized machinery the duty of avenging his wrongs in the foolish belief that the state is justified in doing what he no longer has the manhood or consistency to do the majesty of the law is a reasoning thing it would not stoop to primitive instincts its mission is of a higher nature true it is still steeped in the theologic muddle which proclaims punishment as a means of purification or the vicarious atonement of sin but legally and socially the statute exercises punishment not merely as an infliction of pain upon the offender but also for its terrifying effect upon others what is the real basis of punishment however the notion of a free will the idea that man is at all times a free agent for good or evil if he chooses the latter he must be made to pay the price although this theory has long been exploded and thrown upon the dust-heap it continues to be applied daily by the entire machinery of government turning it into the most cruel and brutal tormentor of human life the only reason for its continuance is the still more cruel notion that the greater the terror punishment spreads the more certain its preventative effect society is using the most drastic methods in dealing with a social offender why do they not deter although in america a man is supposed to be considered innocent until proven guilty the instruments of law the police carry on a reign of terror making indiscriminate arrests beating clubbing bullying people using the barbarous method of the third degree subjecting their unfortunate victims to the foul air of the station-house and the still fouler language of its guardians yet crimes are rapidly multiplying and society is paying the price on the other hand it is an open secret that when the unfortunate citizen has been given the full mercy of the law and for the sake of safety is hidden in the worst of hells his real calvary begins robbed of his rights as a human being degraded to a mere automaton without will or feeling dependent entirely upon the mercy of brutal keepers he daily goes through a process of dehumanization compared with which savage revenge was mere child's play there is not a single penal institution or reformatory in the united states where men are not tortured to be made good by means of the blackjack the club the straitjacket the water-cure the humming-bird 
an electrical contrivance run along the human body the solitary the bull-ring and starvation diet in these institutions his will is broken his soul degraded his spirit subdued by the deadly monotony and routine of prison life in ohio illinois pennsylvania missouri and in the south these horrors have become so flagrant as to reach the outside world while in most other prisons the same christian methods still prevail but prison walls rarely allow the agonized shrieks of the victims to escape prison walls are thick they dull the sound society might with greater immunity abolish all prisons at once than to hope for protection from these twentieth-century chambers of horrors year after year the gates of prison hells return to the world an emaciated deformed willless shipwrecked crew of humanity with a cane mark on their foreheads their hopes crushed all their natural inclinations thwarted with nothing but hunger and inhumanity to greet them these victims soon sink back into crime as the only possibility of existence it is not at all an unusual thing to find men and women who have spent half their lives nay almost their entire existence in prison i know a woman on blackwell's island who had been in and out thirty-eight times and through a friend i learned that a young boy of seventeen whom he had nursed and cared for in the pittsburgh penitentiary had never known the meaning of liberty from the reformatory to the penitentiary had been the path of this boy's life until broken in body he died a victim of social revenge these personal experiences are substantiated by extensive data giving overwhelming proof of the utter futility of prisons as a means of deterrence or reform well-meaning persons are now working for a new departure in the prison question reclamation to restore once more to the prisoner the possibility of becoming a human being commendable as this is i fear it is impossible to hope for good results from pouring good wine into a musty bottle nothing short of a complete reconstruction of society will deliver mankind from the cancer of crime still if the dull edge of our social conscience would be sharpened the penal institutions might be given a new coat of varnish but the first step to be taken is the renovation of the social consciousness which is in a rather dilapidated condition it is sadly in need to be awakened to the fact that crime is a question of degree that we all have the rudiments of crime in us more or less according to our mental physical and social environment and that the individual criminal is merely a reflex of the tendencies of the aggregate with the social consciousness awakened the average individual may learn to refuse the honour of being the bloodhound of the law he may cease to persecute despise and mistrust the social offender and give him a chance to live and breathe among his fellows institutions are of course harder to reach they are cold impenetrable and cruel still with the social consciousness quickened it might be possible to free the prison victims from the brutality of prison officials guards and keepers public opinion is a powerful weapon keepers of human prey even are afraid of it they may be taught a little humanity especially if they realize that their jobs depend upon it but the most important step is to demand for the prisoner the right to work while in prison with some monetary recompense that would enable him to lay aside a little for the day of his release 
the beginning of a new life it is almost ridiculous to hope much from present society when we consider that working men wage slaves themselves object to convict labour i shall not go into the cruelty of this objection but merely consider the impracticability of it to begin with the opposition so far raised by organized labour has been directed against windmills prisoners have always worked only the state has been their exploiter even as the individual employer has been the robber of organized labour the states have either set the convicts to work for the government or they have farmed convict labour to private individuals twenty-nine of the states pursue the latter plan the federal government and seventeen states have discarded it as have the leading nations of europe since it leads to hideous overworking and abuse of prisoners and to endless graft rhode island the state dominated by aldrich offers perhaps the worst example under a five-year contract dated july seventh nineteen o six and renewable for five years more at the option of private contractors the labour of the inmates of the rhode island penitentiary and the providence county jail is sold to the reliance sterling manufacturing company at the rate of a trifle less than twenty-five cents a day per man this company is really a gigantic prison labour trust for it also leases the convict labour of connecticut michigan indiana nebraska and south dakota penitentiaries and the reformatories of new jersey indiana illinois and wisconsin eleven establishments in all the enormity of the graft under the rhode island contract may be estimated from the fact that this same company pays sixty two and a half cents a day in nebraska for the convict's labor and that tennessee for example gets a dollar ten cents a day for a convict's work from the gray dudley hardware company missouri gets seventy cents a day from the star overall manufacturing company west virginia sixty-five cents a day from the craft manufacturing company and maryland fifty-five cents a day from oppenheim oberndorf and company shirt manufacturers the very difference in prices points to enormous graft for example the reliant sterling manufacturing company manufactures shirts the cost of free labor being not less than one dollar twenty cents per dozen while it pays rhode island thirty cents a dozen furthermore the state charges this trust no rent for the use of its huge factory charges nothing for power heat light or even drainage and exacts no taxes what graft it is estimated that more than twelve million dollars worth of working men's shirts and overalls is produced annually in this country by prison labor it is a woman's industry and the first reflection that arises is that an immense amount of free female labor is thus displaced the second consideration is that male convicts who should be learning trades that would give them some chance of being self-supporting after their release are kept at this work at which they cannot possibly make a dollar this is the more serious when we consider that much of this labor is done in reformatories which so loudly profess to be training their inmates to become useful citizens is that the enormous profits thus wrung from convict labor are a constant incentive to the contractors to exact from their unhappy victims tasks altogether beyond their strength and to punish them cruelly when their work does not come up to the excessive demands made another word on the condemnation of convicts to tasks at which they cannot hope to make a living after release 
indiana for example is a state that has made a great splurge over being in the front rank of modern penological improvements yet according to the report rendered in nineteen o eight by the training school of its reformatory a hundred thirty five were engaged in the manufacture of chains two hundred seven in that of shirts and two hundred fifty five in the foundry a total of five hundred ninety seven in three occupations but at this so-called reformatory fifty-nine occupations were represented by the inmates thirty-nine of which were connected with country pursuits indiana like other states professes to be training the inmates of her reformatory to occupations by which they will be able to make their living when released she actually sets them to work making chains shirts and brooms the latter for the benefit of the louisville fancy grocery company broom making is a trade largely monopolized by the blind shirt-making is done by women and there is only one free chain factory in the state and at that a released convict cannot hope to get employment the whole thing is a cruel farce if then the states can be instrumental in robbing their helpless victims of such tremendous profits is it not high time for organized labor to stop its idle howl and to insist on decent remuneration for the convict even as labor organizations claim for themselves in that way working men would kill the germ which makes of the prisoner an enemy to the interests of labor i have said elsewhere that thousands of convicts incompetent and without a trade without means of subsistence are yearly turned back into the social fold these men and women must live for even an ex-convict has needs prison life has made them antisocial beings and the rigidly closed doors that meet them on their release are not likely to decrease their bitterness the inevitable result is that they form a favourable nucleus out of which scabs blacklegs detectives and policemen are drawn only too willing to do the master's bidding thus organized labour by its foolish opposition to work in prison defeats its own ends it helps to create poisonous fumes that stifle every attempt for economic betterment if the working man wants to avoid these effects he should insist on the right of the convict to work he should meet him as a brother take him into his organization and with his aid turn against the system which grinds them both last but not least is the growing realization of the barbarity and the inadequacy of the definite sentence those who believe in and earnestly aim at a change are fast coming to the conclusion that man must be given an opportunity to make good and how is he to do it with ten fifteen or twenty years imprisonment before him the hope of liberty and of opportunity is the only incentive to life especially the prisoner's life society has sinned so long against him it ought at least to leave him that i am not very sanguine that it will or that any real change in that direction can take place until the conditions that breed both the prisoner and the jailer will be forever abolished out of his mouth a red red rose out of his heart a white for who can say by what strange way christ brings his will to light since the barren staff the pilgrim bore bloomed in the great pope's sight end of prisons a social crime and failure recording by expatriate in bangor maine